Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Worry, It's Confidential. Episode four. Wow. I can't believe we're here already. I'm so excited about it. This episode is very exciting because it's Pride Month and it's all about sexuality. And I was going to release this originally next week, but then I was like, what the heck? It's Pride Month. We got to make sure we put it in before June ends. Just before we get into this episode, I'll give you a quick check-in. I'm doing pretty well. It's Monday again. I've realized Mondays is officially going to be my intro recording day because I don't see clients today and I am kind of keen in that I liked things to be ready like quite a bit before they're due. Again, something I would have never expected, but something that I have definitely become in my in grad school, I guess in my undergrad as well, but I just, I don't like it leaving things last minute. I get very nervous slash anxious. Something will happen and I won't get it done. So here we are on Monday. I feel like the updates are always the same. The weekend, again, a lot of fun. I had a friend's birthday party, which was really, really fun. It's just so nice to see friends again. So nice to be in summer, big summer girl over here. Definitely enjoying all the reunions and getting to see friends. I got my second vaccine last week, so I'm fully vaxxed. I guess waiting one more week and I'll be fully vaxxed. So that's very exciting. So things are really looking up here in Canada and Toronto. Sorry to other countries, including my home country. Argentina is not doing that well. And I know sometimes it's hard to hear that other countries are doing better when you're still in the thick of it. But I promise you, that's how we felt here in Canada around a month ago. For for people listening in the US, we were like, oh my God, how are they out and just doing things? And we're locked in. So holding out hope, you're going to make it. All right. So this episode is really awesome. I feel like having this conversation with this friend of mine was just so eye-opening. We had talked about this stuff before, but just never in so much detail. And just hearing her perspective on things is always such a pleasure because it's just extremely positive and it's recognizing of the societal problems but at the same time celebrating how much beauty there is in the queer community but also I feel like it's so great to hear different experiences so that it allows us to question the heteronormative societal expectations of what relationships should look like and kind of hearing different stories helps us figure out which one applies to us and what we would like our story to be like so we talk about gender roles about coming out about the fluidity of gender and sexuality. We talk about navigating relationships and ensuring that you're remaining true to yourself and your values while also being a good partner to somebody else. We also talk about open relationships and questioning monogamy and the possibilities that exist if we if we decide to do things a bit differently and just overall the beauty of queerness the queer community and and yeah just excitement in diversity and inclusion so i'm really excited for everybody to hear this i would love to hear your thoughts once again as always please rate and review this podcast if you enjoy it please share with a friend follow us on instagram at don't worry it's confidential and message me if you have any thoughts on this episode or on any other episode i would love to hear your input. It's it's honestly been really cool just connecting with old friends and people reaching out telling me that they've listened. It's it's been such a dream already. I love you all. Enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. This guest is what I would call a wise chiller because she's equal parts chill and equal parts (laughs) extremely wise as the name would suggest. I've only known her for two years, but since we're both social workers, I feel like we've known each other for a million years because we know everything about each other. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It was like, 
I feel like a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are a celebrity in my VIP guest. VIP guest. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, before we get started, I'll just ask you some get to know you questions. So my first question is if you had to watch one movie for the rest of your life, what would it be? Wow. That's a hard one. Honestly, I'm really into 10 things I hate about you <laughs> recently, although my opinion would probably change in a few months from now, but that's Very what good. I'd say. It's aged well. Heath Ledger's in it. So that's plus. They're singing and dancing in it. They're singing and dancing. <laughs> there's tears. There's laughs. kind of hits, hits all the, takes all the boxes. Love that. I I watched it because you recommended it recently and I saw it a couple of years ago and then saw it again. And you're right. Aged so well. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Next question. What flower do you think you would be? <laughs> um, what flower would I be? Maybe a sunflower? I see it. I actually was thinking that when I was writing the question. Were you? That's yeah. so weird. I was like, she might say tulip because we were just talking. We just went on a walk and we were talking mm -hmm. about how pretty tulips are, but mm -hmm. I see the sunflower. I've actually gotten sunflower. Like people have said, I'm a sunflower also. So oh, we're the same. We're twins. we're twins. I think maybe I shouldn't share this, but sunflower is kind of the base of a lot of my passwords. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's like sunflower with a variation of whatever I add to it. So I'm always yeah. writing sunflower, sunflower, sunflower. Like I don't even know. I don't even think it was necessarily a favorite flower of mine, but now I'm just like, it's part of me. It's part of you. It's part of who you are. So yeah, if you find out who she is, then you can hack her pretty easily. <laughs> All right. Final question. If you had to switch lives with one person for 24 hours, who would it be? Wow. These are so thought provoking. Part of me is like, Michelle Obama or Barack Obama. And then part of me is like Mick Jagger. <laughs> just really opposing. I feel like that's the wise chiller coming out. Like, like I'm like, I want to like, rowdy Sunday night on stage with the fans and just be like full send. And then part of me is like, I should be engaged in like <laughs> Oh politics God. and making a difference. <laughs> that's perfect. I really think that people got to know you from those questions. All right. So I wanted to have you on for this topic because first of all, I love talking to you. I love getting your insight on things. And second of all, I feel like from the moment I met you, I really admired the way that you spoke about sexuality and just the freeness that you have towards it and pride and happiness towards your, your sexual identity. And so I just, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about it. I wanted to have you on to spread the love and be a great example for people who are kind of questioning or just wanting to, mm -hmm. to explore a little bit more. Yeah. I'm so excited to chat about this and I've, I've always appreciated the way you've been so open and curious and so affirming and accepting as a friend. And I feel very grateful to, you know, have you and our other social work pals that we share these things with. And it's been, you, you've been such a big part of my journey too. So thank oh you. Oh my God. That's so sweet. <laughs> One time we have to have like all the social work girls together because when mm -hmm. we talk, it's just ridiculous. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. There's definitely tears every single time we hang out. A lot of feelings, a lot of love. <laughs> it's pretty beautiful. I feel like a good place to start is just telling everyone your story, like a little bit about yourself and I mean, without telling your identity, but a little bit about your mm -hmm. story with your sexuality and your identity and just explaining to people what's going on. Mm -hmm, for sure. So I guess I never really thought about it much until I was in maybe third or fourth year university, which in hindsight is kind of a shame because... I feel like I was raised, you know, in a school and in a family and in a friend group that was really heteronormative and 
cis normative and there wasn't really any space or room to even question it or think about mm-hmm. it or explore it. I just kind of grew up thinking, I'm like not questioning anything about it and just being like, I'm a straight person, I guess. And that's that. And then, yeah. although I, I always did feel like a very sexual being, like I, that was a strong part of my identity and I, mm-hmm. I hit puberty pretty early and <laughs> I was just curious and explorative and very pleasure seeking and excitement seeking and just very open about that stuff. And I think I've been open with, within myself and about talking about that stuff for a long time, but it wasn't until third or fourth year of university that I started to think about it because there was actually a woman in my class that I just had a major crush on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know her at all, but I felt kind of like nervous and excited when I'd see her and chat with her. And I was kind of like, this doesn't really feel like a normal reaction to just, you know, meeting someone. And I think, I don't know about all women, but I think we've all kind of had like girl crushes, quote unquote, on other people that we admire and find really attractive. And sometimes it can be confusing because as women, we're constantly scanning for how other women look or how beautiful they are. And we're kind of comparing ourselves to them. But I kind of noticed that this felt a bit different. I was actually with a boyfriend of mine at the time, but I kind of felt this way and I didn't really act on it in any way, but I noticed within myself that I was attracted to this person. And then, yeah, nothing happened. And my boyfriend at the time and I broke up and I kind of used our time apart as a time to explore that part of myself. And I went on dating apps and I was like, I'm just going to do for men and women. I'm just going to see what happens. And I was really lucky because I actually met, I connected with this woman on Bumble, I think it was. And it was both of our first time kind of going on a date with another woman. So that was, I feel like a special way to kind of get into it because I didn't really feel intimidated or nervous. Um, Well, I was nervous, but I kind of knew that she was new to it too. So it, it took off some of the stress. And we went on a date. This was pre-pandemic. We went to a bar. We're doing tequila shots. Like it was just a fun time. And we hooked up. We kind of went on a few dates. Nothing really came of it, but it felt, it felt right to be experimenting in that way. And I wasn't really labeling anything at that time. I guess I was just open to new things and here and there I would just explore if if an opportunity arose, if an opportunity (laughs) presented itself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my brain cells are not yeah. there <laughs> slowly dwindling <laughs> so yeah it was it was really exciting I mean I definitely was new to it in mm-hmm. terms of the sexual connection I was so familiar and comfortable with being with men navigating that like the the roles in terms of different you know biological sexes and how that comes into a sexually intimate experience and with women I was definitely I felt like a teenager again I was kind of like what am I doing how do I do this how do yeah. I make them feel good what do I want like it was it was very new and yeah so that was just really exciting for me and I was lucky to have you know friends and family that were supportive and I was kind of checking in with them mm-hmm. throughout just saying oh I'm going on a date with a woman and I was very excited and they were you know very open and accepting of that so that was good yeah. I should I keep that. going? No, I love that. I'll ask you some <laughs> okay. questions because I feel like a million okay. things kind of There's pop more. up as you're talking. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, thank you for sharing. I, the first direction I want to go in is just asking you like when you were kind of like you had these feelings for, for this girl in your classes and you were like, this is kind of different than just like the comparing. I, I like how you pointed that out because I feel like that is mm-hmm. totally something that most people can relate to and most women can relate to. And so from that point when you broke up and you were like, I'm going to decide to go on dating apps. And I put my options for women as well. How did you feel internally? Was it like a scary sort of 
moment? Was it an exciting moment? What were you sort of feeling? Good question. I mean, I think I'm such a person that I'm just so direct. I'm so like, this is me. This is what I want. I'm very go for it. So I think by the time I had the space to do it, I was just so excited because I think I'd been kind of stewing for a while Mm -hmm. and it was just something I felt like I couldn't really explore in my relationship with my partner in undergrad. And I think I was just like, finally, like, I'm just so excited to try it. Yeah. It was definitely a part of myself that I hadn't addressed yet. So I think I was just excited to connect with myself in that way. Obviously it's nervous because it's new and unfamiliar, but I was just, yeah, I was definitely excited. I wasn't feeling any kind of shame or internal, you know, turmoil about it. I was just like, let's go. I'm hyped. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like you had the time with your, when you were dating, like your boyfriend at that time to sort of think about it and process. And then by the time that it was like over with him, you were just excited. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was definitely, you know, grieving the breakup in my Mm -hmm. own ways, but I kind of, I viewed that as a separate yeah, part, yeah, you know, there, whereas totally. this other part of me was just very curious yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like there was the the sadness of the breakup, but then also like the excitement of like discovering who you were. And, exactly. Yeah. And I'm very interested in talking a little bit about those like roles that you mentioned and how dating was a little bit confusing because you felt like dating guys, you kind of knew what your role was like, you knew what to do and you were just like, this was totally new territory. So yeah, I would love to hear a bit about that. Yeah. And I think now, now I'd be like, fuck the gender roles, fuck the patriarchy, all these things. Like everyone is just so different and trying to like people slide into different roles based on their compatibility and their flow with someone else. But yeah, I mean, I think being with a woman, at least my experiences of it have been so, so different. Like obviously there's still like dominating movements or different ways of connecting physically, but I do feel like my experiences were very like gentle and supple. (laughs) <laughs> it just it felt different which yeah. I think was exciting for me as well it felt like more delicate and more you know how like yeah we have these relationships with women that are very you know emotionally attuned to each other and sensitive and emotionally aware and there's kind of a different connection obviously we we have that with men too and it's not mm-hmm. that men aren't capable of that but it, there's kind of this special thing between women and I feel like that was translated into the sexual experiences I had with them and I guess like with any kind of nonverbal expression of sexual interest and behavior and intimacy, you kind of just figure it out and you kind of talk through it or feel your way through it. Definitely a lot of consent. Like, is this okay? How is this? You know, just checking in, but yeah, definitely is different than when the penis isn't full. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I like that you mentioned that now you're kind of like, fuck gender roles. Like let's ignore that. Let's just like person to person kind of figure out what Mm -hmm. works for us and what works in every relationship. But I, I think we kind of have spoken about this before, just the way we both kind of grew up in a very like cishet friend group Mm -hmm. and society. And just like, I can imagine like that at that point, it felt a little bit different than now you're a lot more aware of like the varying shades of gray that come with gender Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. For sure. And personalities too. Mm-hmm. can be on such a range of, you know, typical, like, quote unquote, masculine or feminine. And yeah. based on the dynamics between two people, you can kind of be flexible. And also with, you know, sex and like anything, there's creative ways to go about it that can reflect, you know, outside of just, I don't know how to describe it, but like, there's ways to connect sexually with someone of the same sex or someone who yeah. identifies as a woman in ways that can still mirror a range of sexual interactions. Yeah. It's like, it's very personal and like in any sort of relationship, it's like, it's totally dependent on that, what that person's preferences or what your own preferences are. And it can 
Mm-hmm. It can definitely range. So it's hard to like, you can't really generalize with this type of thing. Yeah. It's totally yeah, what you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. what the other person's comfortable with, what makes you feel safe, like in that space. And yeah, for sure. The next sort of thing that I wanted to talk about was just kind of like your coming out story and sort of what that felt like for you. Or I know you mentioned that you would just check in with your family and friends and just sort of be like, oh yeah, I'm going out with a girl and then sort of see their reactions there. Um, was that just sort of how you went about it with everyone or did you feel like you had to have certain conversations or how, how did that go? I think with my close girlfriends and just all friends that mm. I chat with about this stuff, I was pretty open about stating, you know, step by step where I was at. And I felt very comfortable just saying it as it was happening. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I was living with my mom at the time and I was just saying, yeah, I'm going on this date with this person. It wasn't really so formal of a conversation, you know, how other people have a coming out moment. It wasn't so much that with most people in my life, I did come out more formally to my dad. Um, actually it took me a few years to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, I did that recently, maybe a month or two ago. And I think just because he and I don't really talk about that stuff so much and he's not, you know, it's not friend of mine for him to be thinking about that or asking. Yeah. Um, which is fair, but I just kind of, I I was thinking for a while, like, why haven't I told him? This is a big part of who I am. So I just, on a walk with him, I just decided to tell him and that was more formal. I'm pretty privileged. It was, it was, you know, not a traumatic conversation. It was very, he was very accepting and just asked me a couple of questions and thanked me for telling him. And it was very, very relaxed, but yeah, it was just, it felt like a weight off because I just, I hadn't told him for several years and I just wanted him to see me for who I really am. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a good moment. There's, I mean, definitely not every single person in my life knows, but I feel that I'm pretty open about it and I chat about it in casual conversation. So yeah, I feel pretty good that most people know about it, but it wasn't, it wasn't such a a formal sit down. I, I know people like my family or friends have had more difficult times coming out to their parents and their family and it can be really hard. So I'm definitely lucky that it went okay for me. Yeah. I feel like it's also nice to kind of hear different stories. Cause I think when you kind of think about a coming out situation, like it's like, you think about it as very formal, a very big deal, even if like parents or whoever you're coming out to react well, it seems like a, a big ordeal in the way that you sort of handle it was, was different with each person. And you kind of were able to integrate it casually and have everyone accept you, which is amazing. And then when you had a more like formal conversation, it still was able to be like, pretty good and pretty casual and and mm-hmm. accepting thankfully mm-hmm. yeah, were you exactly. nervous to talk to your dad about it oh my god I was so nervous you know yeah. that feeling in your stomach when you just have that and you're just like oh I need to say it I need to say it once the right time to bring it up and it just feels so formal to be like hey there's something I want to tell you you know yeah. it feels it's unnatural but with him it has to be that direct otherwise he doesn't necessarily pick up on <laughs> the subtle hints you know so I definitely was nervous but I knew I knew that he would be very accepting. I just, yeah, I feel like I need to reflect on what was holding me back. Cause I don't really know mm-hmm. why I wasn't, you know, more direct about it earlier on, but either way, I'm happy. I'm happy it's out there now. So yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like you don't have to, even though you weren't hiding it before, it was just like, now it's all in the open and he kind of knows mm-hmm. you a little bit better, I guess. Yeah. I honestly, I did feel like I was hiding it and I don't yeah. really know why. And I think I'm sure we'll talk about this more later, but I ended up getting back together with, you know, the person that I was with in undergrad after a few Mm -hmm. years apart and to my dad and that family, 
like that side, I was red and I was perceived as someone who was straight with a straight man. And so that was hard for me because it was communicating something to people that wasn't authentic to me or my Mm. reflective of my internal experience. So Mm -hmm. I did feel like I was hiding it, but yeah, I'm glad it's out in the open now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's kind of like you were it, it was easy for them to sort of perceive you in the way that they wanted to perceive you rather than like seeing the whole, mm-hmm. the whole of you. And I mean, exactly. there's not really a way they could have known without you telling, but it's still like, it didn't feel fully like authentic. Exactly. And I think that's such a, a complicated part of queerness and sexuality is that I think in our, like, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I thought of people who were you know, gay as maybe behaving or looking or dressing in certain ways that we could read that. But it was very empowering for me to learn and engage with, you know, challenging those assumptions and realizing that, you know, queerness has nothing to do with the relationship you're in or how you look. And I think because now this is such a strong part of my identity, I really try to navigate the world in a way that I challenge every assumption that I make. And it's so automatic for us in our brain processing, like it's just there and it's obviously problematic and totally the society that we live in is so heteronormative, but I really am actively now that I'm part of that. And I might be read as straight to some people. I really try to challenge within myself, the assumptions I'm making about other people. Cause you really never know that about someone until they tell you. So, yeah, no, no, for sure. Me too. I feel like I've really tried to, to challenge myself with that. And even like with my dad, like I'll notice him say like, just little things like being like, is this person this or that? And just kind of like Mm -hmm. challenging him. And thankfully he's like a pretty, a very open guy. So like whenever I kind of bring those up, he's like, oh, you're right. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just so (laughs) unnatural for like, I feel like older people and, and a lot of people, honestly, in general to, to challenge those things that come naturally and like, to be like, Mm -hmm. why am I assuming that? Or why do I even need to know? Like, why am I asking? Like, is that person gay or straight? Like just fucking Mm -hmm let them be them. (laughs) Exactly. And even moving to a place where we don't even need to categorize, Yeah, you know, I feel like it's so empowering to not so many people who are in the queer community don't associate with a label, you Mm -hmm. know, gender and sexuality can be so fluid and can change moment to moment. And it's just about connecting with other people and being open. And I think that's such a beautiful way of being. Totally. Um, And even just, I feel like when I was just starting out kind of exploring my sexuality, I was like, oh, I'm bisexual. And I was kind of like, I'm kind of open to anyone regardless of gender, which I know is still bisexual and there's pansexual. And it's kind yeah. of hard to know sometimes the difference between the two. But I just I find queer just kind of an all encompassing open umbrella term. Mm-hmm. And it's, I like that that word has been reclaimed because it's, you know, it's just you're queer. You're part of this queer community. It doesn't really matter yeah, how you identify you know, you don't need, you don't owe that to anyone. So I find that label, even though I am associating with label, I find it empowering because it's broad and it doesn't really tell someone yeah. the specifics and it does the specifics shouldn't matter. Yeah. We've like talked about it on a previous episode, just like labels and, and how like they can be helpful, but also super harmful. And it's just, I like the idea of you being able to pick your own label and having a label that doesn't categorize you is kind of even just like the best of both worlds because you're able to relate to a community with that label, but you're not saying I am this or I am that or limiting yourself in any mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So true. And so, yeah, you kind of mentioned your, your relationship. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it was a very 
interesting time and journey. And, you know, this person and I dated for several years and Mm -hmm. he was, you know, my person. And when we broke up, I, I think we really missed each other and struggled to move on. You know, we both were trying to see other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have another relationship for a short time, but I think the whole time we were apart, we missed each other and we kind of, it didn't feel finished. I guess it felt very open-ended and unfinished. And so there was that part of me that really wanted to be with him again. And we kind of had worked through independently a lot of the, you know, issues we were having before. And Mm -hmm. so that part of me really wanted to be with him again. And then the other part of me that was, you know, exploring my sexuality and, my identity it felt like I couldn't really have both by you know getting back together and it was definitely exciting to be back together and you know reconnect but at the same time it was a tough adjustment at first just because I felt like I was closing a door that I had just opened like a tiny bit and yeah. I was I was definitely having like some identity crises and struggles with that because I felt like he didn't know that part of me and getting back together I was like, well, then now this is a very strong part of who I am. And obviously that changes someone and shifts how you think and how you navigate the world and how you feel. And it was definitely a big adjustment for us. And I think at the beginning, we were still trying to figure it out. And yeah. it felt, it definitely felt kind of unseen or misunderstood at times, which was hard for me. And it was new for him. So we were struggling a little bit to get on the same page. Now I can say with confidence that we are in an amazing place and I really feel affirmed in this relationship for my queerness, even though he's straight. And I think at first he just felt a little, I don't think threatened is the right word, but just kind of unsure how to process it because it was a shift from how we were before. And yeah, definitely in the beginning, I felt like that part of me was being kind of boxed away and quieted and Mm -hmm. which made me feel like it was just shouting like that much louder Mm -hmm. at me inside of me. And We've chatted about this, you know, you were with me while I was struggling through this, that I almost felt like in this like, quote unquote, straight passing relationship. And in my friend group with a bunch of straight people, I just felt like, where is my space to be this person? And where is my room to explore this still? And I really, you and you and the gals gave me so much, you know, space and love to explore that within myself and how I feel about it. And it was really affirming to chat with you all. And I think at that time I was just so the yelling inside of me almost made me want to like revolt even more against like my current relationship and my current, you know, circumstances that I was so to the point of like, am I gay? Like, am I so against this within myself that I was like questioning my sexuality again? Like, am I, am I lesbian? Am I, you know, not fluid? Am I all these things? And I was, I wanted to present and dress like as queer, as stereotypically queer as I possibly could. Cause I felt like I was just like not seen at all for who I was. And that was really challenging for me, but it definitely takes, you know, work and conversations and empathy. And we worked we worked through that. And I think so many Instagram accounts have been so helpful. I know it sounds so weird, but so many mm-hmm. posts and accounts and people out there that are part of the queer community or advocating for it and that our allies have shared so much content that has been really helpful for me. Like seeing posts that, you know, state your current relationship is not a reflection of your sexual orientation. How you dress, how you express yourself is not necessarily a reflection of your gender identity and your sexual history and your past is not reflective of your sexual orientation. Like having these statements and learning about kind of bisexual invisibility and 
all these different concepts were really affirming for me because I was having so much, you know, imposter syndrome of like, am I queer enough? I'm cis, I'm dating a straight man. You know, I feel like so many signs are pointing to erasure of that part of me. Mm. So having, you know, having those kinds of outlets and um, affirmations really helped me through that time. And yeah, working through my part with my partner to get to a place where I felt affirmed and it definitely took a little bit, but we made it to that point. So yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's so inspiring and I think that there's so much love that you both had for each other. And so that was like a really big core thing that kind of kept you going and kept you motivated to stay in the relationship and to kind of work within that to discover who you are and to feel celebrated for who you are, but at the same time, like keep being good partners to each other and keep kind of Mm -hmm. uh, your relationship going in a, in a healthy and happy way. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering a little bit about like how those conversations went with your boyfriend. It's a good question. I feel like it's kind of, it's hard to remember, you know, moment by moment, but I think Mm -hmm. what really helped was just talking about it because I felt like, you know, before maybe I made this assumption, maybe it was a mix of his behavior and my behavior, but I kind of felt like I couldn't talk about it. Mm. I couldn't talk about my experiences. I couldn't talk about my identity without it being met with kind of like, well, things are different now, or, you know, that was then I just, I felt like I couldn't speak about it in a very candid way. And so just having conversations where I expressed that, you know, this is a really strong part of me and this isn't going to change. And, you know, I want to be loved for who I am and that I want to be like, I think he just maybe felt a bit insecure that I would not want him or not want to be with him. Mm. So just kind of honestly educating around like queerness and being open. And I think what really shifted for me was we had a couple conversations about being in an open relationship. And this was during the pandemic. So it was kind of not really possible to do that well or, you know, yeah, properly. But just that mindset of being like, okay, I have that option. That label has been added to our relationship shifted so much how I felt, even though I never acted on it or did anything just having that chance to hear him say you know you can still explore this you can still do this and we can still be together kind of having both and I, I do believe that open relationships can be really beautiful and with the right people it can work really well mm-hmm. um and honestly it's so strange how that happens it's like placebo effect but I just had that mindset and then I was like so much more present in my relationship and so much more engaged and connected with him and in hindsight maybe you know he kind of suggested it as a way to save our relationship and continue things but since then and we haven't even chatted about it like I don't really think we're in an open relationship but having that conversation and that option really opened things up and shifted things and how we both felt yeah that really changed things it's I don't really know why but no no I think I I think in a way having him have these discussions with you being so open and accepting was like a huge affirmation that he accepted you fully and wanted your Mm -hmm. happiness and wanted you to be fully who you are and be in the relationship because you wanted to be in the relationship and because you felt like you were Mm -hmm. fully loved and accepted for who you were in that relationship as well. So it's such an interesting shift because like nothing changed, but everything changed at the same time. Exactly. And I do think he was working, you know, on himself and making that effort to demonstrate to me that he was trying to learn and Mm -hmm. unlearn and unpack and his empathy like was overflowing. And I even noticed when I was telling him that I came out to my dad and it was kind of a big moment for me and just various conversations, he, he met me in those moments with such compassion and sensitivity 
and empathy that I don't know that would have occurred, you know, a few years ago. And I think it's with age and with us growing and changing together, but yeah, there's been a huge shift. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I don't have a ton of exposure or community with the queer community, which sometimes is hard, but I try to find ways outside of my relationship and with friends who are queer or family members, just connecting with them. And I do feel like now in my relationship, it's, it's celebrated, you know, it's not quieted. Um, So that makes a huge difference for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's really like nice to see how sometimes with relationships, like if you've had them for a long time or since like you and him were together in university, like when your identity or like your outward identity was a little bit different, like it's easy to fall back into those old patterns and sort of just expect things to stay the same. And I I find that with friendships Mm -hmm. too. Sometimes you're like, I'm not the same person I was when we first became friends. And it's awesome Mm -hmm. that he's shown an ability to kind of grow and um, adjust. And I feel like it's not only good for your relationship, but also for him as a person and for Mm -hmm. society to have people who are willing to kind of grow and learn and unlearn, Mm -hmm. like you said. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I feel so grateful to, you know, have people in my life that haven't felt, you know, threatened by growth and change Mm -hmm. and difference. You know, I think a lot of the people I surround myself with respect that and honor that and affirm that. So yeah, it's really nice to be evolving with people and yeah, it's great. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. The next place I wanted to go was just to talk a little bit about, like you said that your friend group kind of is more like cishet and just, yeah, like you've kind of tried to, to seek places where there's more queer people, where it's more celebrated. And I guess like you, you said that your friends are very accepting and everything, but how has that been for you? I mean, it's interesting. I, I'm sure so many people have that experience Mm -hmm. too but I think also people who maybe came into their queerness earlier in life or in different settings like whether it was at university or um wherever I I do feel like there are certain communities that are carved out that involve a lot of queer people and it becomes a strong like support system and friend group especially for people who you know whose families aren't necessarily the most accepting I think it's that community and those connections are really sought out and mm-hmm. yeah my experience has been a little different and I do I do I don't have too many qualms with it because you know my friend group is very accepting um but definitely sometimes I wish there were people that I spend more time with that I don't I guess I don't wish anything for anyone but yeah. it would be nice to have people who think or feel the same way and I have had conversations and connections with people where we have talked about a lot of similarities and I really find those conversations so impactful and so meaningful for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not completely, you know, devoid. Is that a word? Yeah. Deficient, devoid of, <laughs> of that. But it does just make me think how cishet, the assumption is just like of yeah. cisgender heterosexuality. And it's it's just interesting how embedded it is within, you know, our communities, our systems, mm-hmm. our outlooks. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that even answers your question. No, no, it does. It does. I agree. It's like, it is just the assumption. And I think it's frustrating and it's like, 
it's, it would be nice to just like not have that be the assumption. And I think it is changing. I think that like people are having way more conversations and yeah, I, I even find in like TV shows and media and stuff, it's like just so much more, like you more said, it's not just like, yeah, it's not like the, just the mm-hmm. typical, like one character who looks the exact same in every movie who's gay or whatever. Like yeah. it's now there's just like a lot more conversation about just like identifying as different things and like not, not fitting that exact stereotype. Yeah. But, and it's know. like, for me, maybe I'm biased because I kind come in with this queer perspective, but I think mm-hmm. people are only benefited from being exposed to diversity and to difference yeah. of being and difference of thinking and difference of relating to other people. And I'm sure like, I feel like that this with a lot of my guy friends, <laughs> one of my really good guy friends jokes that I just want him to be queer and I want all, all the <laughs> friends to be queer, <laughs> but I really do think like people don't even question it. It's just yeah. like, they just assume and maybe there's no space to question it within themselves. And that speaks to a different issue. But I do feel like so many guys, like, I don't really know any guy who's bisexual. Like I feel, mm. and I'm sure there are so many and, yeah. and I, I don't have a very queer friend group. So obviously that doesn't say much, but like, I don't think, I think there's so much shame for men to question it and be exploring it. And especially in a cishet friend group, like, yeah, I, I doubt one of my guy friends who's kind of wondering would feel like, okay, let's do this. Like, I'm just yeah. going to go for it. And it's not that my friends are, you know, homophobic or transphobic or like, you know, it's just, there's not that open dialogue. There's not that open questioning and challenging. It's just assumed. So I think for people who might be wondering and feel too scared to try, it's because it just feels like such a risk and such a totally a step outside of their comfort zone. And it's sad that that's, yeah. that's how it is. It's kind of like engaging in that kind of introspection. Like there's just like a block of just, I don't want to even look at it. If I feel something, I'm, I'd am i rather just kind of skip by it. And it's it's just shit because mm-hmm. there's so much possibility out there. And I think yeah. it's, it's awesome to just like open up the conversations, even like this conversation, but just any conversation you have with friends. And I feel like you do such a good job of just bringing that into your friend group and, and making people probably like think about it more right yeah and I just I really try to just I'm just open to anything you know and and if anyone were to share anything with me I I have no judgment of anything so I do hope that I create and foster that space for people to come to me or chat with me if it's something that they're thinking about yeah totally you do (laughs) you're successful Yeah, I feel like the last sort of area that I wanted to talk about a little bit was I know in your placement, you worked with queer people and I just wanted to hear a little bit about your experience. I know you want to work with elderly like population mm-hmm. and just just, yeah, why do you want to work with them? What are some things that you learned, observed, um, enjoyed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we both had two placements and my first one was focusing on working with the elderly population and I was in a hospital unit and there were probably 60 patients, residents on the unit, not one of them in their chart was identified as queer. And I don't know that it was, you know, specifically asked about, but was that in in the chart? I mean, I feel like when you do an assessment and you get to know relationships or history, I don't think it's explicitly asked, but you'd hope that someone would feel comfortable sharing it then. But as far as I know, like there was, there was none of that and there was no visual representation of, you know, safe space or queer yeah. space. Um, it was a very cis heteronormative institution. Mm-hmm. It was not surprising as a hospital, but then I, my second placement, I was in a community agency working with LGBTQ plus clients and those who have been impacted by HIV AIDS. And yeah, it was just such a different experience for me. And I think part of why my partner and I are in such a good place and how we've grown is that this 
this placement also really brought a sense of community that was fulfilling for me and affirming. So I think I I had that outlet. I had that community mm-hmm. and I I was able to really be my authentic self in that space. And working with clients who belong to that community also just really helped me just see the spectrum of, you know, beauty and identities that are involved in the queer community and challenging my own, you know, preconceptions of gender expression and gender identity and queerness and connecting with clients who belong to the same community as me. Obviously, we have different experiences, but it was a really great experience for me. And it felt very connected. Even though everything was remote, I felt very connected and grateful and privileged to be part of that space. And then I was kind of like, I really like older adults and I really like working with queer folks. And I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know that there's any, you know, specific space or service. Felt like the intersections of queerness and aging is not really thought about. Like when we Mm -hmm. think of older people, they're already such, you know, an invisible population, let alone thinking of their sexuality. Like people are so freaked out by that. It seems so taboo. So I'm like, if heterosexuality is a taboo topic, even for an older person, like as if queerness would be, you know, an open chill thing, you know, especially with our aging populations, so many queers will be aging and I want there to be the supports in place for them. And I, the idea of working with queer seniors gets me so excited. So I I love hearing you talk about it and it makes me so happy. And I just feel like you're, you would be such a light in that area. And just even thinking about like the internalized homophobia that that population must face and have. And just, it's so like, it's so sad. It's such a missed opportunity for like the happiness and like the energy that like you bring, like that you show me, like the queer community has and like the beauty of like everything being on a spectrum. And it's, I just feel like it's, it's never too late to work on yourself and it's never too late to like get past those things that are limiting you and limiting the amount of happiness that people can feel. And I feel like Mm. it's just going to be amazing to see you (laughs) bring that intersection together. (laughs) Yeah, it it does really excite me. I know that there's some places in California, maybe San Diego or somewhere that, or San Francisco, LA, like they have long-term care homes just for queers, like some, in some places. Toronto and Ontario definitely does not have that but and then part of me is like that's so special that there's this you know one place for that but then at the same time the ultimate goal should really be integration you know and blending and openness and you know withholding judgment of others and it not being an othering kind of situation and just everyone vibing together Yeah, I also think there's just like a lot of preconceptions that because obviously like there was so much more like hate and rejection of anything different like in the past. I think people have a big fear of having conversations like this with older people. And you I think you like I mean, I don't know, but I think you would really be surprised. And I think a lot more people are willing to just kind of grow and and change their minds. At least I hope Um, Mm. I have optimism towards that and towards the goal of integration and and growth. Mm -hmm. And I do think with our generation and younger generations, it's becoming so much more open and discussed. And I think, I don't know who's, who's going on right now, like Gen Z's. (laughs) Do you think, you know, I don't interact with high school students really, but from what I can see on TikTok and Instagram is that there's a way more acceptance and challenging of these systems, which I really am excited about and I admire. And obviously those won't be, you know, the seniors that I'd be working with necessarily, at least not anytime soon, but I am hopeful that things are changing. And I even think of our parents' generation, like 
people are open to learning and yeah. it started like they were growing up during the AIDS epidemic and yeah. they would have been exposed to different things and seeing that change of how stigmatized you know queerness was in the 90s throughout mm-hmm. that time and seeing where it's gone now like I, I am really hopeful that it's getting there and these you know systems will be questioned and challenged in a more impactful way that actually invites change yeah. and shifts how we think as a society totally and I feel like it's worth mentioning, like the fact you've you've kind of brought it up twice that I feel like social media has such a negative rep in a lot of ways, but I think that it has such a beautiful space for for people of different communities to connect and also for people in general to learn and grow, like seeing posts like you were mentioning before can be so meaningful to someone. And especially Mm -hmm. in like more isolated communities where like maybe there's no other trans person that you've seen or like something like that, having social media, having TikTok and, Mm -hmm. and these places to kind of connect is really fostering a lot of growth. Yeah, powerful. And just seeing, seeing representation, seeing someone who might look like you being themselves and pursuing that identity, like just having that representation of something other than cisgender, something other than straight, I think makes such a difference for people who are trying to figure it out and see that those existences are valid and they exist and they're there. So I love that. (laughs) Do you have anything else that you feel like you want to share or say on this topic? I feel so like a baby to be giving anyone kind of advice or messaging (laughs) or any kind of things. But I just, if anyone's listening to this, that is questioning or curious, it's so important in your own way and in your own time to listen to that part of yourself, because I think it only has made me a better person in the world. And yeah, I just think life is more beautiful because of different people. And I just hope that it continues to evolve. And I don't know what I'm saying right now. (laughs) You're doing a great job. I love it. I agree. And I feel like that this is exactly why I wanted to have you on. It's talking about it in such a beautiful way and for what it really is rather than like sometimes what it's clouded as. Like Mm -hmm. there is very real difficulties that come with it, but it's also really important to spend time talking about all the beauty. Yeah. And even just monogamy in itself is just such a like assumed way of being. Mm -hmm. And I really hope in the future people can be met with polyamory or different, you know, monogamish or ethical non-monogamy, different ways of being without judgment, because I'm really of the perspective that different people give us different things and it's okay to explore and be open. And maybe this community feels like a bunch of, you know, unicorns kind of doing different things, but I, I just hope that queer or not queer relationships can, you know, explore and be as flexible as they deserve to be. And yeah. it doesn't always have to just be one way. <laughs> yes. I love that so much. All right. So my last question that I ask every guest, if you're having a bad day or just not feeling your best, What's something that you do to to help yourself out? I think for me, I love, you know, an evening drive just around nowhere to go and just blasting music (laughs) really loud. I just find it kind of a cathartic situation. I don't necessarily have to talk about how I'm feeling or, you know, obviously it's really nice to pick up the phone and call a friend or my partner or chat through things. But when Mm -hmm. I don't feel like talking, I just, I love the drive and I love blasting music. Yeah. Usually aggressive electronic music. (laughs) And I just picture being at a rave and that I'm vibing and I'm feeling good. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. I think, yeah, listening to music is like a very underrated, like mindfulness strategy. And I feel like it's like, Mm -hmm. it's meditative. Basically, you're meditating when you're going out on a drive, just like living, just thinking, just being. Mm -hmm. So true. All right. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. 
Well, thanks for having me. This was so nice. Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> Love you. Love you. <laughs>